And open your Bible to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2 tonight. We continue our series entitled Masterpiece, and tonight we're going to begin a new part of that series entitled Becoming the Person God Meant You to Be. Hemos estado hablando sobre la obra maestra, y esta noche vamos a ir a Efesios capítulo 2, siguiendo ese tema. Ahora vamos a hablar sobre la segunda parte de este estudio, que es siendo la persona que Dios te hizo o te creó para ser. Uh, and as you find that in your Bible, Ephesians chapter 2, just turn around and wave at somebody. Welcome them to the house of the Lord. We welcome you to Kingsway Church tonight, and we're so glad you could be here. All of you who are here, uh, we are glad you're here. And those of you joining us online, God bless you where you are. And I want you to open up your Bible just like you would here at church and decide not to get distracted for the next few minutes. We are living in dangerous times and in serious times. We need the word of God. So don't, don't miss out on that uh, just because you are at home. Don't miss out on getting the word of God tonight and every chance that you get. Uh, especially in times like this, you need the word of God and you need it more uh, in bigger doses. How many of you know that? Say amen. amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 1. We'll read down to verse 10. Ephesians 2, verse 1 al 10. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, as the, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, some translations say his masterpiece. We are his masterpiece, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. I want you to say this out loud with me tonight. I am God's masterpiece. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit among us. We thank you that you hear us when we pray. And we pray tonight that you would speak to us from your word. And that you would also open up our heart and our mind to receive the word of God. And we would uh, ask, Lord, that our spiritual growth would be increased as a result of being in the word tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, we've been talking about the masterpiece. And we went through Hebrews chapter 11 last few weeks discussing the importance of faith. Hemos pasado las últimas semanas hablando sobre este importante tema uh, de la obra maestra y hemos hablado sobre la fe. I shared with you how Hebrews 11 gives us a little snapshot of some lives that were masterpiece lives. Uh, and all of those lives had a common denominator, many common denominators we could look at, but the main one was by faith. Uh, todas las vidas que hemos estudiado hasta ahora uh, tenían este, esta porción común y es la fe. And uh, last week I shared with you that faith goes anywhere. La semana pasada compartí con ustedes que la fe va a abrir todas las puertas. How many of you 
have re realized that and are walking in that reality. Faith opens all doors. La fe abre todas las puertas. Uh, that is the master key. And so tonight, uh, now uh, we've been walking through this hall of faith. We've looked at all the portraits. Tonight I want you to imagine that we're looking at a frame and it is a mirror and you are the one standing in front of the mirror. So now we're talking about your life and my life and the masterpiece that is in that, uh, in that frame tonight uh, is the subject of the next few studies that we're going to have together. God is interested in you becoming everything that he designed you to become. Ahora vamos a hablar ya no de los uh, retratos o los cuadros de personas uh, en el Antiguo Testamento, sino vamos a hablar de nosotros, de tu vida. Y uh, ahora ustedes, la persona en el cuadro, es, es su vida la que vamos a estudiar uh, para que usted venga a, a hacer todo lo que Dios determinó de que usted fuere. I want to uh, begin in verse 10, then we're going to go back to verse 1. Uh, fíjese bien el verso 10 primero, luego vamos a ir al verso 1. Verse 10 gives us the final product. El verso 10 nos da el último producto o el resultado. And uh, I want you to just think about this. God is interested in results. Dios, a Dios sí le interesa el resultado. You know, there's some people that don't think God is interested in results. And they think that uh, as long as they are, uh, quote-unquote, faithful, that that's all God is interested in. But really, if you study the New Testament, you realize God is very interested in results. Jesus told a parable of a, a man who gave his, his servants talents. You remember that parable? Five talents, three talents, and one talent. And what was he looking for when he came back? Results. Everybody say Results. So God is interested in results, and he's interested in the result of our life. Dios está interesado en resultados. Muchos piensan, no, Dios no más quiere que seas fiel, no le importa el resultado. No, si hay uh, un interés de parte de Dios en el resultado. Uh, en, en el en Nuevo Testamento hay una parábola en la cual él uh, requiere el resultado de aquellos varones que recibieron los cinco talentos, los tres talentos, y el que no tuvo res resultado, lo echó fuera. And so, uh, this needs to be understood in our mind that God is interested in results, and this is the result that God has uh, an interest in. Aquí está el resultado que Dios tiene uh, un interés en ver en nuestra vida. Verse 10 says, we are his masterpiece, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God pre prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Dice el verso 10 que somos, usted y yo, la obra maestra de Dios. La hechura de Dios, lo cual uh, dice el apóstol Pablo, nos creó en Cristo Jesús para buenas obras que él preparó de antemano para que camináramos. So tonight, as far as God is concerned, you and I need to understand that we are a masterpiece. Esta noche, Dios ya ha determinado que su vida va a ser una obra maestra. And if you will walk with him and let him lead your life, you will become everything that he has desired for you to be. Si usted camina con Dios, usted va a llegar a ser todo lo que Dios ha destinado o preparado para que usted sea. Once again, said, I am God's masterpiece. Now here's a couple of opening thoughts I want to give you. And that the first of all is this, that God's plan for your life does not change because of the circumstances around you. Everybody say amen. La primera cosa que usted y yo debemos entender es que el plan de Dios... Para nuestra vida no cambia porque hay circunstancias adversas en nuestra vida. How many of you before this uh, current pandemic, this current season that the world is in, felt like God had a plan for your life? ¿Cuántos antes de llegar en esta, en esta pandemia entendían, sabían que Dios tenía un plan para su vida? 
Well, do you think that plan changed because of the coronavirus? ¿Será que ese plan cambió por este, esta pandemia? ¿O será por uh, que Dios cambió su plan? Does that mean maybe God has changed his plan or that God has lost interest in that? Absolutely not. Now, this is important because there's a temptation uh, and there is a, uh, especially in this particular season, there's a temptation to lose focus on that because there are so many other things to focus on. Ahorita hay muchas otras cosas en la cual podemos enfocar nuestra atención. Entonces hay, hay una oportunidad para perder el enfoque. And it, it is possible that there are a lot of things God put in your heart to do this year that because of this pandemic you might think, well, that's not going to happen anymore. And you've got to make up your mind and understand that God is still working out his plan. Now, this season we're in right now, it might change how you work it out. It might change uh, the exact details of it, but the plan remains the same. And so this crisis presents you and I with an opportunity to become the masterpiece that God wants us to to be. Uh, esta pandemia, créalo o no, nos presenta a nosotros una oportunidad para hacer esta obra maestra que Dios quiere que seamos. How many of you have had more time than normal? You can't go to the restaurants. Now you can, I guess. You can't go to movies. You can hardly go to church. You can't have birthday parties. There's a little extra time out there, isn't there? Now, do you remember in the past you would say, if I only had time, I would read that book. Or if I had time, I would take that course. Or if I had time, I would learn how to do this or that or the other. Well, guess what? The plan hasn't changed, and now you have some time. So guess what? It's, it's an opportunity to become what God designed for you to become. And I've learned this about crisis, is that crisis can accelerate a person's progress in a particular area. La crisis puede hacer que una persona acelere su progreso en una área. Si usted y yo uh, operamos uh, con esta, este entendimiento, vamos a entender esto, que hay una oportunidad para acelerar algunas cosas en nuestra vida. And and you know, there are, there are some things that God is accelerating. He's accelerating in the church. He's accelerating in the world. And he's accelerating in our individual lives. And so what I want you to understand is, number two, that this pandemic did not surprise God. Say amen, somebody. This pandemic did not surprise God, and it fits into his plan for your life. Esta pandemia no tomó a Dios de sorpresa. Y cabe en el plan de Dios para tu vida. So number one, God's plan didn't change. And number two, this didn't surprise him and, and it fits into his plan. Esto cabe en el plan de Dios para tu vida. Now, if you and I can understand that, we're going to change the way we look at life and the way we look at the world. Si usted y yo entendemos esto, vamos a cambiar la forma de, de pensar y la forma de vivir. There are people, and I pray none of you have this particular problem, but there are people who have a victim mentality. Everything is bad in their life because someone else is holding them back, holding them down, making them sick, on and on it goes. Hay personas que tienen una mentalidad de víctima. Entonces ellos siempre piensan que no han avanzado, no tienen nada en la vida porque alguien más se los ha quitado, se los ha negado, no les ha dado la oportunidad. And this is what I've taught you before, that this is a poverty spirit. Yo les he enseñado antes que esto es un espíritu de pobreza. Guess what? The victim mentality and the poverty spirit do not fit in God's masterpiece equation for your life. El espíritu de pobreza y el espíritu de o, la mentalidad de víctima no caben en uh, el cuadro de tu vida. Now, I'll just give you some examples because these are real raw and real in our world right now. 
And so some people might say, well, if it wasn't for coronavirus, I'd be able to have finished my college education the way uh, I would have normally, or if it wasn't for coronavirus, I would have been able to have my high school graduation normally. If it wasn't for coronavirus, I would be able to do this out of the other. Or if I wasn't a particular race, if I wasn't born in a particular community, if I didn't, be, if I wasn't uh, born in a in a single parent home, then none of these things would have happened in my life. All of that is poverty spirit. All of that is a victim mentality. And the child of God can't operate in that because you are not an orphan. Say amen, somebody. And you are not a victim. You're a child of God. And so the child of God looks in at this crisis and says, this didn't surprise God. And God knows how to use this in my life to bring out something, uh, either uh, to accelerate something, to develop something, so that in less time, I can get more done. Are you signed up for that tonight? Are you saying, God, whatever you got to get done in my life, get it done? Because I don't want to be the same person I was at the beginning of this crisis. Wouldn't that be a tragedy if after all of this, after all this trouble, and after all of the close calls and after all the scary moments and after all of the regulations and, and the mask wearing and the drive-in services and all of this stuff we're going through, when it all goes back to normal, for you be the same sad, broken Christian? No! Come on. Uh, if, if you're going to go through all of this, you might as well get something out of it. Sam and somebody. If you're going to pay all of this a trouble, then you might as well be, if you were a good, strong Christian before, you might as well be a stronger Christian afterward. And if you were, if you were backsliding, then you ought to be on fire for God when this thing is over. Say amen, somebody. Because listen, what's going on in the church? The church all of a sudden has learning, is having to learn how to do church in new ways. It's having to learn how to minister in new ways. And that's because uh, perhaps we don't see it as much here, but in, in a lot of places, the church was back in the 80s still. Some further back than that. And all of a sudden, a crisis came, and they just got fast-forwarded into the 21st century. You realize that, that churches as a whole can get stuck in the past. They can get stuck the way you, God used to do things. And they are no longer relevant to today. Guess what? In, in, the, in the lead up to the last days, God wants and will have a relevant church. Say amen, somebody. God is not going to leave the last day's harvest to a church that is outdated and disinterested and focused on the wrong things. And so this crisis is doing at least one good thing and it's waking the church up and accelerating her, bringing her forward to realize, wait, those methods, they don't work anymore and, and, and it's no longer about preference. It's because they just, they can't be worked right now. You know, those, those are, well, that's an example of how God is using this crisis to position the church for better effectiveness. Have you ever seen so many preachers preaching on Facebook and YouTube? Wow, right? I've seen viejitos on YouTube. Preaching away and think, wow, I never thought I'd see that guy on, on the internet preaching, but they don't have a choice right now. If they want to preach, they got to do something. You see how a crisis can accelerate something. Now, how long would it have taken the church without this crisis to get into the 21st century and make a difference using the tools it has at its disposal? It would have taken a long time in normal circumstances, but all of a sudden a crisis accelerate. Fast forward that. Now, take that example, analogy, and see what God is doing in your life right now. How long would it take? Because you see, God can do in ten, God can do in one pandemic what it would take ten years to do in your life if you'll let it. Say amen, somebody. Dios puede hacer 
en una pandemia lo que se llevaría 10 años para hacer. Why? Why, Pastor? Why does crisis do that? Because crisis makes things clearer. All of a sudden, it's not worth fighting over certain things. All of a sudden, it's not worth watching certain shows. All of a sudden, it's not worth losing time on certain things because there's a crisis, and the crisis clarifies our focus. It helps us to realize this is a priority, and this is not a priority. And when God gets involved in sorting out our priorities, things start growing. Things start advancing and developing in our life. So I just want you to realize this tonight. This crisis may surprise you, but it didn't surprise God. And he, he told us at the beginning of this year, I'm going ahead of you. That means there's already stuff in this crisis that's for you to make you stronger, to make you better, to make you uh, a, a better believer, a better um, witness, to make you a better husband, a better wife. Come on, somebody. All of those things are in this thing. God is not surprised by it. He has already planned it for your development because there's a masterpiece that he wants you to become. So tonight I want to talk specifically about going from a mess to a masterpiece with those two thoughts in mind because this is uh, God's this is your story already as a believer verse 1 through 3 gives us the before picture and then verse 3 through 10 give us the after picture what was it like before Christ what was it like after Christ well Every one of us can tell the story. How many of you remember what you were like before Christ? And how many of you know there's a difference? Listen, if there's no difference between who you were before and who you are now, you haven't met Christ. Because Christ makes a difference. You cannot have an encounter with Jesus and not change. Say amen, somebody. So what was, what was the man or woman before? Well, we see a few things here. He was dead in trespasses and in sin. Listen, without Christ, a man or woman is dead. Spiritually dead. Disconnected entirely from the life of God. Dead in sin. Not, on intense, not in intensive care. Not on life support. Dead. Listen, without Christ, man is dead and eternally lost. Sin Cristo, el hombre está muerto y eternamente perdido. He said, but pastor, I, I have an education. I have a lot of money. I have a nice car. None of those things can change the fact that without Christ, a man is dead. And the reality is that he's so dead that that he doesn't have a hunger, he doesn't have a thirst, he has even a notion of a desire for God. El hombre sin Dios está muerto, no tiene ni la noción de tener hambre de Dios. The day that you started feeling a, 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 a thirst or a hunger or a desire to go after God was because God put that in you. Outside of that, you were dead. And that is the reality of man. Esa es la realidad del hombre. Muerto en delito y pecado. And then he says this, he was, he was walking according to the course of the world. So the direction and course of his life was that of the world. Su dirección y su caminar era la dirección y el caminar del mundo. In the old church we used to have words like worldly. And now, there's so, the, the lines have gotten a little blurry. People don't seem to know what's worldly anymore. Because Christians have pushed the envelope more and more. But see, there is a course of the world. Jesus described it like this. He said, it's a broad way that allows everything. It's permissive. Hay un curso de este mundo y es una senda, Jesús la describió ancha, permisiva, todo se vale. Nobody 
uh, in that course or in that path experiences the word no ever. And, and the course of this world is on full display in our nation today. El curso de este mundo está en, en gran dis, uh, disposición en este día en nuestra nación. Usted lo puede ver en, en la not, eh, por el noticiero todo el tiempo. You can see this on the newscast. Uh, the way of this world, the course of this world, is a darkness. It's a, it's a darkness that has, uh, that has plagued our nation because the, the light of the church has become so mixed with the darkness. There has to be a, a, a line of demarcation. There has to be a, a difference in your walk now and your walk before. Say amen, somebody. Hay una diferencia entre mi caminar ahora y mi caminar a, a, ayer. Uh, en, ese, en ese caminar todo se permitía. En este caminar no todo se permite. Jesus said there is a broad way that, uh, that leads to destruction and many there be that find it. It's not hard to find that course. The course of this world. It is a system. It's a system of worship. It's a system of finance. And it is a system that is controlling our world today. El curso de este mundo es un sistema. Es el sistema de adoración. El sistema de finanza. What is the God of this world? Self. It's all about me. El Dios de este mundo es el yo. And what is the financial system of this world? It's, uh, it's prosperity by human terms. El, el, uh, el mundo, el sistema, uh, el sistema de finanzas, la prosperidad, por uh, términos humanos. Jesus called it mammon. Jesús lo llamó el, uh, el espíritu de mamón. That is greed and lust. Wanting to have things just for the sake of the thing and not for the glory of God. Then he says, number three, that they were walking according to the power and the prince of the power of the air. So they were bound to satanic power. Están atados a el poder satánico, el poder de Satanás. Listen, there is a darkness in our world and there is a dark principality behind it. Hay una, hay una príncipe de, de tinieblas que está detrás de este mundo. Listen, please, every teaching has a spirit behind it. It's either the spirit of God or the spirit of darkness. You got to be careful what teaching you receive. Every song has a spirit behind it. Every message in every song, everything that you read in literature, there's a spirit behind it. You got to be careful that you not be in the course of this world and according to the prince and power of this air, uh, of the air, that's the, the uh, spirit of darkness, that's the devil, that's demonic power. And if you realize what I'm telling you tonight, that uh, the way you lived before and the way you live now is so drastically different. Because what does the Bible say in, uh, in the old system, in the old way of life, you like to do things in the dark. Because the dark, uh, because the dark covers sinful deeds. Very rare you see people going to church in the dark. Normally they go to church in the morning or in the afternoon. But normally we don't go to church at 2 a.m. And what do you think when you see someone going out at 2 a.m.? Darkness. Why? Because they don't want their deeds exposed. That's what the gospel of John says. They, they do it in the darkness because they don't want their deeds exposed. How many of you know there's a difference now because you don't have to go skulking around in the darkness? Say amen, somebody. And then he says, this, this is a terrible reality. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. Man outside of Christ operates in his flesh. What does that mean? He operates in his in instinct, his appetite, and his emotions. El hombre fuera de Dios opera en la carne. ¿Qué es la carne? La carne es el instinto, el apetito y la emoción del hombre. 
How many of you realize that your instinct, appetite, and emotions can get you into a lot of trouble? El instinto, el apetito, la emoción nos pueden llevar a mucho problema. That's why you need the Holy Spirit in your life. Because he's the one that teaches and trains your instinct, appetite, and emotions. Now all of those things were created by God. Because without instinct, uh, you and I wouldn't know whether to, to run or walk toward a lion. Whether to run away or walk toward a snake. Why do you jump when you see a snake? Instinct. Get away. God put that in you. The appetite. How many have an appetite? An appetite for food. Appetite for success. An appetite for sex. An appetite for uh, for uh, advancement. All of these things are put in us by God. And the emotions put in us by God. Anger. Happiness. Sadness. All of these things are like a thermostat uh, that te tell us how, how our soul is operating. But none of these things can be in control of your life. They're all good passengers, but they're terrible drivers. And you let your emotions drive your life, and your life is not going to be a masterpiece. You let your instincts drive your life, it's not going to be a masterpiece. You let your uh, appetite drive your life, it's going to bring wreck and ruin. And what's Paul saying? He said, that's what we lived by before Christ. We live by those things. It was the driver in our life. And that brought us to this. It says that we were uh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Dice, por naturaleza éramos hijos de uh, eh, el enojo o eh, ir, uh, de el juicio. Now we see the conclusion of all of that is that without Christ, man is doomed to judgment. Sin Cristo, el hombre está uh, expuesto al juicio, al castigo. That is the end result of man without God. Ese es el resultado último del hombre sin Dios. Now, I want to just point this out because if you want to know what is going on in America today. Why are we seeing all of these things? I believe the reason we're seeing all of these things is that we are experiencing as a nation the passive wrath of God. Now, I know that's not a popular message. Because everybody wants to tell you, this is the devil. So, we can all point the finger at the devil. Here's the problem. That I don't believe the devil has that much control. But here's what happens. These things happen in a nation. And if you look at the last six months of America, we have gone from heights to great lows. And we're a part of something that has affected the entirety of the world. You say, what's going on? When a people says to God, we don't want you. We don't want your protection. We don't want your blessing. And we sure enough don't want your rules. We want to define things our own way. We'll decide what a man is, what a woman is. We'll decide what a marriage is. We'll decide what's right and what's wrong. We'll decide what's pure and what's not pure. When a, when a nation does that, God says, okay. And, and Romans says that he turns them over. And whereas before, his protection there held back all of these things. Now, when he withdraws, there's nothing to hold back. The wickedness. And unless a nation repents, they're going to be worn away until they're dust in history. America is being called right now to repentance. But you know, the enemy has given us 
people to blame. And I've taught you about this in the last few months. So long as you can blame somebody, you don't have to change. This is all China's fault. This is all Russia's fault. This is all Warren Buffett's fault, right? Just pick somebody to blame and blame them, and that means that it wasn't my fault. That's the victim. But a clear view of history will tell you if you and I look at things right, we'll realize I'm the one who needs to turn to God and say, have mercy. Because look, the Bible says, if my people, doesn't say if the pagan, doesn't say if the lost, doesn't say if the, if the, the reckless, it says if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, then I would hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Say amen, somebody. So who's God looking for right now? He's looking for his people to call out to him on behalf of this nation. And if we will pray and seek God, I believe God will give America another chance. And if we don't turn to God as a nation, then we're going to continue to see these things happening in our nation. And they're going to continue to be signs to us that a nation that, that rejects God, rejects his protection and his blessing. Does that mean God can't bless you in the middle of it? No, God will keep blessing you. Say amen, somebody. God's going to watch over his children. But then it, it just means we're going to have to see some things in our country we never thought we would see. And they're the direct consequence of rejecting God. That's what Paul is saying here. Man without God has become by nature a child of wrath. And so man can't say, well, this is, uh, God isn't loving. God doesn't care. God doesn't doesn't want to do anything, uh, doesn't want us. No, it's we've rejected God. Now, verse 4 has the best, best answer for this situation, but God. Everybody say, but God. How many of you know that all these things that I listed were where we were headed? But God. You remember the moment where things turned? Where things changed? You said, Pastor, I haven't experienced that yet. Tonight, things can change in your life. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loves us. See, the mess is going to continue to be a mess. It's going to be a worse mess until a man or woman comes to Christ. And when he comes to Christ, he can experience the mercy of God. He can experience the protection of the Almighty God. Tonight, you and I are the recipients of the mercy of God. Esta noche usted y yo somos los que hemos recibido la misericordia de Dios. Come on, if you've received God's mercy and you know it, say amen. Have you experienced God's mercy? Have you experienced God's love? He says, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Now things start turning around. Everybody say, turning around. You see, the only way things can turn around in your life is if God gets involved. And now he can turn that dark end and hopeless portrait into life. And he wants to do that in every single person's life tonight. You say, well, pastor, if there's a passive wrath going on in the nation, then what, what does that mean for us? We're under God's mercy. Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. But you and I, because we're just, have benefits. Say amen, somebody. Don't forget that. You're, you're different. You're set apart because of the mercy of God. And now what has taken place in your life, number one, he has made us alive together with Christ. He has made you alive. He says, uh, 
because of the love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. You are alive now because of the mercy of God. Ahora estamos vivos por la misericordia de Dios. Once I was dead, had no spiritual insight, no wisdom, no understanding. Now I'm alive. No desire for God. Now there's a hunger for God. No desire to worship. Now there's a desire to worship and be in the presence of God. There was a, a, a separation from God caused by death, but now I am made alive together with Christ. What is Paul saying? He's saying the way that Jesus went into the tomb dead and came out alive, I went in there with him and came out with him. Say amen, somebody. Because Resurrection Sunday is your story as well as Jesus' story. He has made us alive. Look at how far this life goes. What kind of life has he given us? Well, he brought us from death to life, but he also gave us abundant life. Jesus said, the thief came but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that more abundant. He's given us the ability to experience life in every aspect of our existence. This is how your life becomes a, a masterpiece when the life of God comes into every area of your life. Listen, is there any area of your life that's dead tonight? God wants to see it alive. He wants to give you not only spiritual life uh, so that you desire God, but he wants to give you intellectual life so that you can learn and grow and become the person that God called you to be. He wants to give you financial life so that you can have the resources that you need to do the things God called you to do. Say amen, somebody. He wants to give you health and well-being so that you can live a long time and, and do the thing God called you to do. Say amen, somebody. He wants to affect every area of your life. And there is no place where the life of God cannot touch. Esta vida es vida abundante y llega a todas las áreas de nuestra vida. Vida espiritual, vida emocional, vida física, vida espiritual, uh, financiera. Todos los aspectos de nuestra vida es tocado por la vida de Dios. He's made us alive together with Christ. And the life of Christ now affects every area of your life. Listen, guys, if all God was interested in was your spiritual life, that means, and this is how some people think, God only cares about my spiritual life. He only cares about where I go when I die, heaven or hell. No, there's a whole lot more to it than that. And that's why you hear a lot of the old songs in the church. It was all about going to heaven, right? Because that was as far as they could imagine God being interested in being in their life. But guess what? David said, I would have given up if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Right here in the year 2020, in the middle of this pandemic, I would have given up if I had not believed that God cares more than just about me going to heaven. He wants me to live an abundant life here and now. Say amen, somebody. That's God's will for your life. David dijo, yo hubiera desesperado si no hubiera creído que yo miraría la bondad de Dios en la tierra de los vivientes. Él está diciendo, Dios tiene más interés, no solamente en que yo vaya al cielo cuando muera, pero también de que mientras yo viva, viva totalmente y abundantemente en Él. Mi vida tiene que reflejar la vida de Dios en todo aspecto. Your life and my life can and should reflect the life of God in every area. Come on, somebody. And then verse 6 says, he has raised us up with him. And seated us with him in heavenly places. Luego, ¿qué más ha ocurrido? En Cristo, dice el verso 6, Él nos levantó y nos sentó con Él 
en lugares celestiales en Cristo Jesús. Now I want you to imagine this with me. Jesus died on the cross. See this with me. Jesús, uh, vea esto conmigo. Jesús murió en la cruz. He was taken off of the cross and buried in the tomb. Fue quitado de la cruz y fue puesto en una tumba. He went down into hell. Descendió al cielo. Y proclamó su victoria. And he proclaimed victory. The Bible says he proclaimed liberty to the captives. He led captive a host of captives. That means all of those saints who had died prior to the cross. They weren't able to go into heaven. They went into the bosom of Abraham. It was a waiting place until the atonement. When the atonement comes, Jesus goes down and he proclaims his victory. And he leads all of those saints up into glory. And he gets into glory and the gates of heaven open. The Bible says open to me the gates of righteousness. Jesus said open to me the gates of righteousness. And the gates of eternal heaven open to him. Lift up your head O ye gates. And be lifted up you everlasting doors. And the king of glory will come in. And the king of glory came in. And he went all the way up to the throne and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. Jesús descendió al infierno, se descendió a la muerte, proclamó su victoria y ascendió al cielo. Se abrieron las puertas del cielo y él entró hasta el trono y se sentó a la diestra del Padre. You got all that? Do you believe all that? Well, let me tell you a part many Christians have a hard time believing. That you were with him. When he entered into the throne of God and sat down, you were with him. What does Paul say? He says, we have been raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places. Esa es la parte que muchos cristianos no entienden. Creen que Él ascendió y que Él está sentado a diestra del Padre, pero no creen que ellos están sentados con Él. How can you be a victim when you are seated with Christ in heavenly places? ¿Cómo puede ser usted víctima cuando está sentado con Cristo en lugares celestiales? My goodness, what an incredible reality to think that he brought us from nothing and sat us with him in heavenly places. You now have a place at the table as a child of God and a joint heir with Jesus. Usted ahora tiene parte en el cielo porque es hijo de Dios y coheredero con Cristo. Do you believe that? I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. When did that happen? The moment you gave your life to Jesus, you were seated with Christ in heavenly places. So anytime a thought inferior to that position comes into your mind, you just get rid of it. Because you are positioned with Christ. That's why you're a masterpiece. Because you're seated with him. And everything that belongs to him belongs to you. He has holiness, you have holiness. He has righteousness, you have righteousness. He has health, you have health. Come on. He has peace, you have peace. He has joy, you have joy. Come on, saints of God, you are seated with Christ tonight. Oh, but pastor, where I, where I, I see myself seated at Kingsway Church. Well, I see myself seated in my living room. Well, I see myself seated in a second-hand car. I don't care about any of that. When God sees you, he sees you seated with Christ in heavenly places, seated in victory and in glory because of your faith in Jesus. And the last thing he says in verse 3, so that in the ages to come, he might show us the surpassing riches of his grace. He gave you life. 
He gave you a position and he gave you a future. Te dio vida, te dio posición y te dio futuro. You have a future tonight. What is that future? It's a masterpiece. ¿Qué es ese futuro? Es una obra maestra hecha por Dios. Now I want you to stay with me as we study this because it's going to be important to every believer in this season to realize that your identity and your person in Christ is so far above every doubt, every fear, every anxiety, every worry, all sickness, all disease, every setback, every financial loss, every discouragement, every mentality. Who you are in Christ is so far above that that if you will live according to what he has made you, you won't be able to be kept down no matter what season comes into this world. Say amen, somebody. Come on, let's stand together. And let's give God thanks that he can take your life and has taken your life from a mess to a masterpiece. And tonight you're seated with him. You're already, you're already victorious. You already won. Come on, you got to walk in what you already are. We said it tonight, I am a masterpiece. So just say it, I am healed. I am prosperous. I am whole. I am a victor. Everything you think you're not, friend, you are in Jesus. He says that you may walk in it.